So Money episode 223, Ask Farnoosh. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome back to So Money, everyone. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. This is Ask Farnoosh, Saturday, August 22nd. And we have questions today from Mindy, Kim, Amanda, Gina, Camille, Anthony. Looking forward to getting to all of your questions very soon. But first, as promised, I'm going to turn over to Stitcher this weekend and try to see uh, if anyone's left a review recently. And if so, that person will receive a free 15-minute money session with me. And so here I am hopping now on to Stitcher, which by the way, is another way for you to access the podcast. If you uh, don't love iTunes or don't have iTunes uh, on your phone or on your laptop, you can uh, go on to Stitcher. It's very popular with Android users. And last week I had a, more than a more than one person actually asked me if there was a way to leave a review on Stitcher. And the answer is absolutely you can. Although I'm on there right now and I don't see any new reviews for so money. There was uh, there are two reviews uh, compared to the over 300 that we have on iTunes. There are two reviews for Stitcher on Stitcher for this show. So, uh, I am not going to pick anyone, as it turns out, from Stitcher this weekend because these were done seven months ago, and I'm pretty sure they're not listening to this podcast <laughs> awaiting their name to be called. So that didn't work. Let's go back to iTunes and um, see who is our lucky winner this week. And our winner is Ricer X. Ricer X, congratulations. This person says, Millionaire Next Door series rocks. I'm loving this series. Just started listening to Farnoosh and it's great to hear about real people retiring and how they made their millions. Anyone who listens to it will feel the same way. Well, thank you very much, Ricer. You know, I'm very proud of the Millionaire Next Door series that we ran uh, just last week. It was very popular. It actually helped the podcast grow tremendously in terms of downloads and I'm sure new subscribers like you joined the show as a result of hearing how everyday Americans are excited with their money and not just having money in the bank, but these are people who retired early. You know, we heard from Jeremy Jacobson and Winnie Zen, a couple that was able to retire in their 30s, now traveling the world. We heard from Darrow Kirkpatrick, who, as he turned 50, became a millionaire, sent his son to college and retired early. Yes, of course, it's very inspiring to hear from the notable names like Tony Robbins and Gretchen Rubin and all those other great people that I have on the show. But there are so many stories yet untold from so many Americans who are doing great, great things with their money and they're a goldmine for advice and guidance. So thank you for this review. Email me, farnoosh at somoneypodcast.com and uh, I will send you a link to where we can connect for a 15-minute money session. So thank you very much. All right, let's get to the questions. And by the way, these Ask Farnoosh episodes will no longer be on the weekends starting soon. They're going to be on Fridays. I've decided to go down to a five-day-a-week schedule instead of seven, so we're going to give up the weekends starting in mid-September. I will be making more announcements as we get closer to that transition, but just want to let you know that I'm going to be dedicating Fridays starting September 18th to Ask Farnoosh questions, so just Fridays starting September 18th. 
Mindy Kim writes and says, hi, Farnoosh. I love the show. Although I'm happy you will have more work-life balance in the near future, I will miss the weekend episodes. Oh, just as I was just finishing talking about my transition. Well, I hope you'll stick with the show, Mindy. She says, I started a new job at the end of December and was recently recruited for a position at a company that I have always wanted to work for. I decided to accept the new position. I'm afraid that my current supervisor will be upset since I am leaving so soon. I plan to give more than a month notice to help with the transition. Do you have any words of wisdom on how to leave on the best terms possible? Well, Mindy, I think that giving more than a month's notice is really leaving on the best terms possible. I mean, on average, people give two weeks notice. So you're giving more than double that. So feel good about that. Uh, Additionally, you could offer to train anyone who's going to perhaps be filling in while you're gone to make sure that everything goes smoothly once you leave. And I think that the way you want to present this to your boss is say, you know, I have, I have an offer that I just can't pass up. While it pains me to be here telling you this, on the other hand, I'm also really excited for this opportunity. I know that you have been so supportive of my development while I've been here. And you might want to mention that you're really thankful for the opportunities that your supervisor has granted you during your time at the company. Be really appreciative. Be really grateful. Uh, give this person a lot of credit you know, for the fact that you are able to now elevate yourself in your career, that your experience at the company working with the supervisor pr- groomed you to be able to take on this new and exciting opportunity and that you're very thankful. So I think already you're approaching this wisely, that you're giving a lot of notice. A month should be enough time and no supervisor should get upset if you give a month's notice. So good luck on your new venture and thanks for writing in. Amanda writes in and says, I have a tip. I made a financial mistake this month. I bought two dresses. I really didn't need more dresses for $240 on rent the runway clearance. These size fours did not fit like the fours of my other dresses. One was so tight it looked awful and the other wouldn't even fit over my hips or bust. Yikes. She said they were final sale. I've been sad and the box has been staring at me from my bedroom floor for a week. Well, good news. I put everything on my credit card, but pay in full every month. And the American Express Purchase Protection Plan came to the rescue. I get to return the dresses less the shipping charge to Amex. So in conclusion, if you're in a bind, check your credit card benefits next time. Smiley face. Amanda, I learned something new today. Now, I know that American Express has a really good purchase protection plan. In the event that you something comes to your house and it's broken or it, it was defective and the merchant won't take it back. Or if you got double charged and the merchant's hard to reach, Amex will, will jump in and, and try to save the day. I did not know that if you bought something like a dress and even though the dresses weren't defective, that you could get a refund through the American Express purchase protection plan because there was a no return policy on the dress. So I actually looked into this because I didn't believe you at first. I had to go and find the fine print myself and I did find it. And it turns out you are correct. So thank you for teaching us that lesson. And uh, it makes me feel better next time I go when I buy something on final sale. 
Gina says, love the show. Definitely making me approach money differently. My husband and I both make decent money and we contribute a good percentage to our company retirement plans, but I want to do more and do better in saving and investing, but I don't have the slightest clue how to go about investing. Can I DIY investing? And if so, how, or do I need to work with a financial planner or something? Help a newbie out. Thanks. Well, Gina, I think that uh, first things first, you might want to talk to your retirement plans advisor. You know, if you have a 401k through work or a retirement plan through work, often that plan comes equipped with a free financial advisor of sorts. Now, this person isn't going to go and help you with all of your accounts, but particularly that retirement account that you have with your job, they'll help you find the best allocation based on your risk tolerance, your age, your retirement horizon, all of that uh, to be able to give you a nice catered plan. And so start there. As far as doing it yourself, I don't think this is something you want to do yourself as far as picking stocks. If you're a novice. And I wouldn't even recommend doing this yourself if you think you had an inkling about where stocks were going. Investing is, as far as stock picking and day trading and all that stuff goes, is uh, something that very few people can master. And I would dare say that those who can master it, a lot of it is luck. And so for you, I would say you might want to speak to a financial planner who not only will help you with the investing component of your financial plan, but also the insurance component, the savings component, the planning component, the college savings component for kids, perhaps. That's where a financial planner can really help you in this holistic way. And yes, of course, with the investing component. But as we've talked about on the show, as far as investing for the long run goes, a lot of us here are big fans of indexing of passive investing and not being so concerned about the day-to-day fluctuations in the marketplace, just understanding when you want to retire, your risk your risk tolerance. So those are my few tips for you for a newbie investor. And I would say you might want to also check out my podcast with Frank Curzio. That was done months ago, but Frank is an investing expert. I also have several interviews with financial planners, one with my own financial planner, Stacey Francis, and we also had Rick Edelman on the show. Coming up, we're going to have Sophia Barra on the show, who is a financial advisor for the Gen Y, Gen X generation. So stay tuned to the show. I think you'll continue to learn a lot from our episodes. Thanks so much and good luck. Camille says, my younger brother is getting married in November and feeling the stress of having to provide for himself and his wife. Do you have any tips for creating a budget for a young 23 and 20 year old married couple, both in their undergraduate years? Yikes, Camille, can you tell your brother to slow it down? Why get married so quickly? Really? I mean, not just for the financial stress, but there are so many things you don't even know in your 20s, in your early 20s, to be at that young age and suddenly uh, financially uh, responsible for somebody else. And when it's hard enough to be financially responsible for yourself, accountable to yourself at that age, I, I would say that my honestly, my best advice is to delay the marriage and just keep dating, stay together, but don't jump into this just yet when he is feeling financially incapable 
it's no doubt he's only 23, 20 years old. And so I think what they both need to do is to take time to really discover themselves, um, find ways for each of them to independently become financially stable and then come together. I guarantee they're going to be happier, less stressed and time is on their side. They're only in their early twenties. So Maybe this isn't the advice you were looking for, but I have to kind of take a like 10 steps back here and say, let's rethink getting hitched so quickly. I think, you know, even just a couple of years, wait till they're graduated from school, at least, you know, focus on school now and then graduate, get a job, get your, you know, ducks in a row, and then think about getting together and, and, uh, you know, forming a union. But, um, good luck to your brother. If he needs advice, have him give me a call or write in. Thanks so much, Camille. Anthony says, hey, Farnoosh, thank you for your podcast. I love it. It's a massive help to me in becoming more informed about finances. Well, you're welcome, Anthony. I wondered through all your interviews and your own advice, what are the top five to 10 common financial habits you've noticed that most or all your guests have? I noticed myself, they all say get rid of debt, have a six month buffer, and most invest in index funds. Thank you again, Anthony from Essex, England. Oh, how fabulous. I have a an overseas fan. Thank you, Anthony, from all the way from England. I should have done that with a British accent, a bad British accent. I think you're right. A lot of my guests do say, you know, debt is bad, have a good emergency cushion, invest in index funds, try to be passive, don't worry about the day-to-day fluctuations and try to beat the market. On top of that, I would say that, you know, just recalling some of the habits from our millionaires next door last week, a lot of them, I think, echoed what you just pointed out, but also all of them were very focused on spending as far as the budget, you know, making sure that they were checking their uh, spending regularly and that they were making sure that how they spent their money was in line with their goals. So having that regular check-in, whether it's once a week, once a month, every quarter, you're making a connection to your money and the way that you're spending to just to make sure that, you know, at the very least there aren't any mistakes any discrepancies, but then of course that how you're spending actually lines up with what your goals are today and in the near future. And I think communication is another common healthy habit where if you're in a relationship, you're constantly communicating with your partner about money. You're uh, keeping yourself abreast of your financial reality, communicating with yourself. If you're worth an advisor, that relationship has to be a constant back and forth. And so keeping the lines of communication open when it comes to money challenges, money questions, that's also a good habit that I find a lot of my guests with financial success practice. So that's a good question. And thanks for kind of jogging my memory there, Anthony. And uh, I'm sure there's lots more. Remember, I keep all of the transcripts at so manypodcast.com. So if you missed an episode and you'd rather read it, all that info is there for free. And I'm going to wrap here with Joshua who says, Farnoosh, love the show. I am 30, almost 31, and I've been in the military since I was 18. I didn't start saving until I was 25. I put 12% back into my TSP, which is a thrift savings plan, and have other allotments going towards savings and passive mutual fund investment accounts. Lately, there has been chatter about the coming correction in the stock market, and I currently have roughly 90% of my investment assets in stocks. Should I try to diversify more or should I ride the wave since I'm relatively young and have some time on my side? Thank you so much. Well, Joshua, I think that 90% 
might be a little too high for someone who is 30. Uh, it's not completely out of the ballpark, but you know, general rule of thumb is take 100, subtract your age, and that is the number that you want to be roughly man, uh, invested in the stock market with the other percentage remaining in things like um, fixed income, cash, bonds. And so you're 30, almost 31. I would say safely 70% on a conservative level in stocks, maybe 75 if you're single and closer to 80 if you don't plan on getting married for a while and not having kids. Uh, and I say that because you don't have any financial dependence right now. So that's a plus as far as the uh, risk tolerance that you can take on. You have a, a higher tolerance for risk at this point just based on your your lifestyle and your life conditions. So 90% kind of worries me. I know that there, I, I just got off saying you don't want to worry about the day-to-day fluctuations in the stock market. Uh, but I'm saying you really just want to make sure that you're in the right allocation percentage roughly. And I would say I wouldn't do more than 80%. So now before the market quote unquote corrects itself, maybe a a good time to kind of take some money off the table from your stocks and put it into bonds, money market. That's just my two cents. I'm not a certified financial analyst, but just based on my over a decade of analysis and research and understanding and my own personal experience, I would say I would tone it down to maybe around 80% of your investment assets in stocks, the rest in uh, safer investments. And that's a wrap, guys. Joshua, Anthony, Camille, Gina, Amanda, and Mindy, thank you so much for writing in. And let me know if you have further questions. As always, to reach me, very simple. Hop on to somoneypodcast.com. Click on Ask Farnoosh, and there you can submit your question. And uh, every as of now, every Saturday and Sunday, I do answer your questions on the show. But starting September, uh, that is September 18th, that is the first Friday where I will be doing Ask Farnoosh and turning the lights off on the weekends. And uh, thanks to all of you who wrote in supporting my decision to downsize the show's frequency. I'm very much looking forward to getting my weekends back. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. Back tomorrow with another edition of Ask Farnoosh. Hope your Saturday is so money. Money.